Hello, thank you for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Post-Acute Care Nursing, a PACN. I'm your host, Amy Stewart, Vice President of Education and Certification Strategy for a PACN, and I am here today with Jesse McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist for a PACN, to discuss some of the highlights of the Skilled Nursing Facility Prospective Payment System proposed rule for fiscal year 2022. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks, Amy. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's get started. Each year, CMS is required to go through the rulemaking process. The proposed rule is released in the spring with a comment period, and the final rule is released in the fall. This year, CMS released the fiscal year 2022 SNF PPS proposed rule in early April, as expected, and the proposal had much of what we anticipate seeing each year, an update to the SNF PPS rates, the market basket update, and labor wage analysis. But this year also had some concerning proposals. Can you tell us which of these proposals are the most concerning to you, Jesse? Oh, absolutely, Amy. And this year, what we saw was a proposal for a methodology for recalibrating the PDPM parity adjustments. Essentially, what this means is back in October 1st, 2019, we had that transition from RUGS 4 to PDPM. And this was really set up to be a budget neutral transition. And CMS had expected the budget to be neutral, but what we saw from what was projected for 2020 for what we actually saw under PDPM was over a 5% increase or $1.7 billion for fiscal year 2020. So essentially, anytime there is an adjustment that did not end up being budget neutral, there has to be a recalibration. And so while that's an expected part of a transition to a new payment model, what happened in 2020, none of that was normal. So CMS did acknowledge that the COVID-19 public health emergency could have affected the data and the type of patients we had and the result of reimbursement for the Medicare residents. And so when they did the analysis for what they're proposing for this parity adjustment is they also try to take out Medicare residents who may have been impacted by the COVID-19 public health emergency. So according to the proposed rule, CMS is seeking comments to see if we think that stakeholders that they effectively did make the adjustment for COVID-19 public health emergency, and if there's anything else that should be considered when they are doing the recalibration, which also includes comments on whether we believe there should be a delay in implementing this adjustment, which would essentially be a 5% increase to regain that $1.7 billion that CMS sees as an overpayment. And um, whether we want to delay in the recalibration of that reimbursement and or a phase in over a couple of years. You know, you mentioned that CMS reviewed the impact of PDPM with residents that were impacted with COVID-19 Do you feel like CMS was successful in doing this? Oh, that's a great question, Amy. And it's one that's really hard to distinguish at this point. So in the proposed rule, CMS did state that they removed claims that have the COVID-19 diagnoses and they removed claims with the DR code, which is that disaster-related code. 
that's two really great ways to remove residents that were directly impacted by COVID-19. But what we don't know is if that really captured all of the Medicare residents that were impacted. One thing that comes to mind is that we have the COVID-19 diagnosis U07.1. But this code was not established until April 1st, 2020. And of course, the public health emergency went into effect several months before that. And so before we had that COVID-19 diagnosis, there were a lot of different recommendations across those months, including the use of the B97.29 code, which is other coronavirus as caused by diseases classified elsewhere, or the B34.2 code, which is coronavirus infection unspecified. And the guidance continued to change frequently throughout 2020, not only in the diagnoses, but we had a lot of updates to policy. We had a lot of different waivers that went to effect. And a lot of things that the SNFs, especially if they were in the middle of an outbreak, may have not had the opportunity to implement right away. And so there could have been some gaps in actually implementing some of those updated codes. Another thing that may have been a barrier to CMS capturing Medicare residents impacted by COVID was the fact that early on in the pandemic, there was a lack of tests available to actually confirm that positive diagnosis. So we may have had residents with suspected COVID, but it wasn't a confirmed COVID diagnosis. As well as the lack in testing, we may have had the lack in obtaining the results. Some of those early tests took weeks to get back those results. So there's a lot of things that we really want to look at when we talk about how successful CMS was with removing the COVID-19 impacted residents from this analysis. Essentially, CMS says that there was a 5.3% increase from what was expected in 2020 to what actually occurred in 2020. So a 5.3 increase above what was supposed to be budget neutral. And they're saying 5% of this is due to PDPM and only 0.3% due to COVID-19 public health emergency. Just knowing how devastating COVID-19 was to the SNFs, this number feels low. And so one of the things we're doing with APACN is we're collaborating with other long-term care professionals to explore other ways that COVID may have impacted SNFs that may not be reflected in CMS's analysis. And we're going to bring that back to CMS through the comment period to really help them understand really how much COVID impacted 2020. You know, you brought up a really good point about the lack of testing and the lack of having a diagnosis code from the beginning. And I agree with you. That's right there a great reason to comment and have others comment as well, because, you know, you want to make sure that they have captured everything under COVID. And so we're not getting penalized because facilities obviously had a lot of financial burden due to COVID. And then this would result in, of course, a payment adjustment and they would get less reimbursement. The proposed rule also introduced two new SNF QRP measures, one on healthcare associated infections and the other one on vaccination coverage for healthcare personnel, both of which would start collecting data this October if finalized. Can you tell us a little bit more about these measures? Yes, and these are both measures that are really a result of the public health emergency from 2020. And the first one, the SNF 
healthcare-associated infections require hospitalization measure. And this is a measure that really looks at the healthcare-associated infections that ended up resulting in hospitalization. So they were in the SNF because of this infection, they had to go to the hospital. And essentially what CMS is looking at is to see facilities that have a high number of rehospitalizations due to these healthcare-associated infections, which could indicate that the SNF does not have a great infection prevention program. And they may not have the antibiotic stewardship guidelines and really have the interventions in place to manage those infections in the SNF. Another thing they're looking at with this measure is the facility structure. So they're looking at the staffing, they're looking about high turnover, they're looking at if it's a national chain, the occupancy rates. They're looking at the whole package and really focusing on if the facility has adapted a infection surveillance and prevention uh, program and policies to help prevent these types of rehospitalizations due to infection. Residents that have uh, sepsis, that have a UTI, that have pneumonia, any type of those infections that result in rehospitalization will count against the facility for this measure. Another thing about this measure is it is a claims-based measure, which means it uses the Medicare claims that are submitted from the hospital admission. So it shows that they went from the SNF to the hospital with a infection diagnosis. So it's also based on information that's submitted to CMS from the hospital, not from the SNF. The second measure is very different. It's a COVID-19 vaccination coverage among healthcare professional or HCP measure. This one also begins with fiscal year 2023 SNF QRP, which as Amy, you mentioned, will start collecting data this October, October 1st, 2021. And this measure would require SNFs to report on the COVID-19 vaccination of their healthcare staff. So this is really looking at the staff vaccination rate so that when consumers are looking at the facility, they can see if they have a high compliance with vaccination of the staff members. Now, what's different about this measure, it, it is being reported through the national database where SNFs submit their COVID-19 data. So this is submitted differently than our other SNF QRP measures. And it's not clear at this time how this measure would possibly impact the APU compliance threshold with the SNF QRP program. You know, that's really interesting information, Jesse. And as I'm listening to you talk about these two measures, I can't help but think, how might consumers use these measures once they're publicly reported? That's a great question, and I really think it's more for peace of mind of the consumers, the family members, and future residents that are looking for future placement in the skilled nursing facility. And so they can see what facilities are really have a high percentage of the healthcare staff vaccinated, which could result in kind of the understanding that the resident may have less risk of obtaining covid infection at the skilled nursing facility if majority of the staff are also vaccinated within that facility. That's really good information. Thank you. Lastly, let's talk about the proposed changes to the SNF value-based purchasing program. It sounds like some SNFs could lose additional Medicare dollars here. Can you explain this? 
Yes. Yeah, so this, again, is another impact of the COVID-19 public health emergency. And essentially, if we look back at the first two quarters of 2020, CMS announced that the data from quarters one, quarter two, 2020 would be accepted from the SNF value-based purchasing program, which means it would not be used in future years. CMS has talked about using different quarters to be able to come up with this data. Um, however, what they're proposing now in this proposed rule is to suppress the 2020 data. Essentially, what that means is that all of the SNFs would receive a score of zero, except those who have the low volume. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. So for all of the SNFs that do not have low volume, they would have the suppressed data and would result in a score of zero. But the SNF value-based purchasing program still has other requirements. So the statute requires the SNF value-based purchasing program to withhold 2% of the SNF Medicare Part A payment. And then it redistributes 60% of that withholding back to the SNFs. So essentially, if every SNF has a score of zero, this would result in a 1.2% payback. So to think about it this way, you have 2% withheld and then you gain back 1.2%, you still have a Medicare cut of 0.8% because of this suppressed value. So you have no opportunity under this proposal to regain all of that 2% withholdings. Now the exception is the low volume adjustment SNFs. And so if you had low enough volume that you did not have the Medicare volume to participate in the value-based purchasing program, you'll essentially have your full 2% reinstated. So you would have zero loss. That's really interesting information. Thank you for joining me today, Jesse. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in getting involved, you too can submit comments until June 7th at 5 p.m. by going to the Federal Register where the SNF PPS proposed rule is located. For more resources and tools for nurse assessment coordinators, please visit our website at www.apacin.org. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the LTC NACCHAT podcast. Heard the news about how you can improve quality care and increase efficiency with ability? Ability offers a range of applications to simplify the complexity of healthcare, allowing organizations of all types and sizes to spend more time on care and less time manually collecting, analyzing, and reporting data. This allows you to remain in compliance while making data-driven decisions that benefit residents. With Ability, your facility can improve resident outcomes, optimize reporting data, enhance reimbursements, and much, much more. Discover what Ability has to offer at AbilityNetwork.com slash a pack-in.